Hi, I'm Craig. And I'm Linda. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com. This is episode 332, and we're talking about Croatia. That's right. I have always loved being in Croatia. And, uh, you know, it's it's heading into winter there at the moment. And gosh, is it wintry here where we are in Victoria, Australia. We were really surprised. We thought when we were planning our trip that, you know, arriving at the beginning of November, actually it was arriving on the 31st of October, you know, same same thing. We thought it's getting into summer, you know, in the Southern Hemisphere, New Zealand and Australia. We regard summer as being December, January, February, and, you know, November kind of gets thrown as well. But, oh, my goodness, we arrived and it was eight degrees. And although we've had some quite nice days, got up to 26 degrees Celsius a couple of days, we've mostly been wearing very warm clothing. Absolutely. I had to dig a, a rather fetching woolen jumper out of a uh, out of a grab bag of clothing uh, just to stay warm enough to, to survive. Yeah, I'm helping Anna do um, kind of a, a garage sale. I'm going to a car boot sale in a couple of weeks. And so we've got this huge bag of clothes and various other things that are going to be sold there. And yes, we've both picked up a couple of jumpers to keep ourselves warm. I want to say thanks to everyone that's emailed in to check that we're okay in the light of the recent earthquakes in New Zealand. Uh, we're fine. Family's fine. Thanks so much for everyone that sent us a message or an email. Really appreciate it. Yeah, we do really appreciate that. We heard about it. Actually, I was just about to go to bed a couple of nights ago, and I picked up my phone just to set an alarm, I think it was. And there was a notification from Craig's stepmother to say that she was fine. <laughs> you know, one of these. <laughs> That's good, but never a good feeling. Yeah, it was one of these checking in systems. I love that function in Facebook. It's really great. That, of course, meant that I wanted to go and find out what had happened. Luckily, I went in with the idea that she and her husband, Craig's dad, were, were fine. So that was really good. But oh my goodness, it's it's been terrible. I mean, lots of buildings destroyed, lots of roads destroyed. Luckily, not not very many fatalities, but it's really bad for the infrastructure in New Zealand. Yeah, our thoughts go out to everyone that's uh, been affected by this or uh, traveling at the moment. And uh, yeah, it's it's been crazy. And we just actually spent some time with my dad and stepmom as they were over here in Melbourne for three or four days. And we had a lot of fun cruising around the city and uh, just checking things out. Yeah, it was good. They came here to the farm where we're staying at, at my sister's place and and we had a day here together. We went out to Hanging Rock to go and climb up this kind of iconic rock. But unfortunately, the path was closed. And that was quite unfortunate because we'd done a bit of research beforehand to see, you know, where it was, how much it cost, all of this sort of information. No mention of it being closed. Drove right in, no mention of it being closed. It wasn't until we got actually to the path that we found out it was closed. So it was very bad luck, but also very badly organized. Man. And before we got here, between Nicaragua and Victoria, we popped into LA for a few days where we had another family reunion, seeing Linda's brother in the airport as we flew out in different directions. How crazy is that? We booked our flights all independently. He was flying out to London. We were flying down to Melbourne out of LAX, same terminal to within a few hours of each other. It was crazy. But we actually had a really great time in LA. We only kind of scheduled two days there because... Our aim was to get from Panama to Melbourne with the least fuss possible. Now, of course, we, we didn't quite manage that. We kind of faffed around a bit in Central America, of course. We just had two days in LA. And uh, Indie Travel Podcast listener Spencer got in touch with us and said, come stay with me. And so we said, yes. And we had an awesome couple of days with him. We went and ate so much delicious food after the dearth of options in our small town in Panama. It was so great to have Mexican and Korean and, oh, 
so many delicious things. It was so good. Yeah, we got to celebrate the Day of the Dead in downtown LA and it was, yeah, it was just fantastic. Great couple of days there. Went hiking. We went, met up with my brother and his uh, friends who were just back from Las Vegas and uh, had a drink on, it was actually my brother's birthday, which was pretty cool to have a drink with him on that day. So yeah, magic, magic day. So thank you, Heat Spencer. We had a great time with you and Amy. Well, today we are talking about Croatia. In fact, I'm talking about Croatia. Linda is left right out of the conversation. And I'm chatting with Maya from Selectedly. And Selectedly is also the sponsor of today's podcast. Selectedly designs custom itineraries and books a whole range of products and services, including fascinating tours, romantic wedding or honeymoon trips, along with ticketing services for museums and musical events in Italy. So visit selectitaly.com to learn more. Today I'm here with Maya from Select Italy, but we're not talking about Italy. It's all about Maya's home country of Croatia today. Maya, welcome onto the show. Thank you very much. It's great to uh, have you with us today. Why don't you uh, begin by telling us a little bit about you? Uh, well, I was born and raised in Croatia. Uh, I lived there until my college years, and then I came to the U.S. to study. And uh, I always was a very um, strong, I, I always felt very strongly about Croatia. All my family still there. Um, and I loved when my friends uh, would come over for a visit. Uh, I loved showing them around. I loved seeing their reaction to Croatia. And of course, they all loved it. When it came to getting this job, I was quite excited because uh, travel industry is quite developed in Croatia, and it's a way of showing people where I'm from. Um, it's a way of getting them to love the place I'm from as well. Nice. And what's, what's your role in work at the moment? At the moment, I'm actually the Senior Director for Travel Industry Sales, which is a very complicated title, uh, but basically it means I uh, source out new business for us uh, in the B2B sector. But my uh, primary role, at least until a few months ago, used to be developing Select Croatia brand. Uh, so that is a... Um, Similar concept as Select Italy, just focusing on Croatia alone. Perfect. Well, we're really glad to have your expertise on the show today. It's going to be good. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, tell us, first of all, imagine you're speaking to someone that doesn't really know about Croatia, has heard the name, but that's about it. What are the, the first impressions or the kind of big picture ideas that someone should know about Croatia? Well, Croatia is mainly a country that has a lot of natural beauties. So whether it's uh, the sea itself, the Adriatic, that is crystal clear, and there are very few places in the world I've been to that had that water. It also has am amazing national parks. But to me, what's really fascinating is um, the history Um We've been on kind of the crossroads of Europe, so that um, resulted in having lots of influences on our culture today. Um, so if you look at our food, at the language, uh, at the way certain dialects are in certain areas of the country, um, we have a mix of all these cultures that have passed through this area, and that's what makes Croatia interesting. But then at the same time, we're quite... Um, 
we're still Slavic, you know, we are a Slavic tribe that came from the north. So in that way, we are, uh, as many would say, Eastern European. But then we have that Southern European warmth. Uh, it's an interesting mix. Uh, and I think that's one of the reasons when people actually do come to Croatia, they get to love it. Yeah, reading through the that even like a potted history of Croatia on something like Wikipedia is it's like reading this unfolding kind of pattern of, of tribes and immigrants and conquests. It's fascinating. It is. I mean, it started, uh, well, we even have uh, findings of Homo erectus in certain areas of Croatia. So, you know, it's really distant history, and uh, most people don't don't like that part that much because uh, it's not that interesting. But then um, there is, uh, you know, the history from the Illyrians through the Romans and Greeks, uh, then the Turkish that were in the area for a long time, and the Italians that were constantly in and out. So it's... It's very similar to European history. Uh, and we all know, you know, people, everyone goes to Italy. And uh, the fact that Croatia shares a little piece of history with Italy helps a lot in having people feel like they already know the country once they get to it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just remembering as, as you're talking and talking about that southern warmth and these influences from ev- every one of these civilizations, I remember several years ago now, our first time that we passed through, we were uh, crossing by train back towards Austria and coming up through Croatia. And we ended up in this train carriage all to ourselves, which was awesome. So every time we approached a, a station, we'd lie down and pretend to be asleep in the hope that we could keep this entire train carriage to ourselves in this long, long journey. I think that's a, a traditional kind of way of looking after yourself. But uh, we had this family come in blind drunk, or at least uh, the father was. So they they came in and bundled in and claimed that they had booked the carriage, but they would, you know, graciously let us stay. <laughs> and um, he was he kept pulling out of his bag this this golden liquid uh, in a Coke bottle and swigging it back. And uh, we ended up getting given two liters of this, which he then took back out of our bag and kept drinking until his wife hit him over the head and, you know, <laughs> and gave us a fresh one. And this was this, uh, the rakia, the, the plum brandy. And uh, that was our introduction to the, the beautiful and rich alcoholic heritage of Croatia. Oh, yeah. Well, there's lots of... Uh there's lots of strong liquors and there's lots of uh, nice and fruity ones, but um, every time you come into someone's home, you're offered one, which whichever one you want. Uh, most of the time, everyone has something that's homemade. Uh, so either a grandma made it or the neighbor made it. But um, yeah, that that's a sort of a welcome in the Croatian world. Yeah, it was beautiful. For me, that, that memory just summed up exactly what you were speaking about with, uh, yeah, that southern warmth, that, that cultural history of, of food and drink. So thinking about food and drink and thinking about Italy and Croatia right next to each other, there's a, well, I guess a lot of people don't know that the, the wine culture down here in Australia and New Zealand, where we're from and where we're at at the moment, was mainly powered by people from uh, from Croatia and the rest of the Dalmatian coast, which is pretty fantastic. 
but then a lot of people won't know that America's heavily in- influenced uh, with the Zinfandel grape as well. Yes. Well, it's always a funny story that I like to tell all my American friends. Um, everyone used to believe for the longest time that Zinfandel actually originated in the south of Italy, in the region of Puglia. And then a guy named Mike Gergic, he today owns a, a winery in Napa called uh, the Gergic Hills Estate. Um, however, back in the 70s, he was working for another guy in Napa, and he became famous as an enologist. Uh, for this guy, his Chardonnay won the blind tasting of Paris in the 70s, together with a Bordeaux from Napa, and this basically put Napa on the map. So he ended up opening up his own winery, and during this whole time, he kept on saying that the wine that Zinfandel reminded him of the wine uh, that you know his parents and his grandparents used to grow in the region of Peleshot. And everyone used to tell him he was crazy, of course, you know, Zinfandel comes from Italy, and that's it. But he managed to convince a professor at a University of California, and uh, she did, together with her team, a testing of, I believe, around 300 grapes, different varieties of grapes, uh, a DNA testing. And it came out to be that Zinfandel indeed is closely related to Plavat Mali, which today is one of our most, if not the most appreciated uh, wine in Croatia. But uh, it's actually directly, it's a, um, it's called a, um, uh, that's the actual grandfather of Zinfandel. And it's very interesting, you know, because America's favorite grape actually came from Croatia. And many could not point Croatia on a map a few years ago. Yeah, that's really cool. Well, while we're on wine, why don't we talk food? Because that is absolutely beautiful as well. Two questions. If one wants to really experience this culinary side of things with the, the vineyards, the, the winemakers, and if someone is going to go there and explore this region, what cities are they going to be based out of and or what regions are they going to go to? And then what food are they going to eat while they're there as well? Well, Croatian wine story, to put it in a little bit bigger picture, so not go really into micro locations, can be divided in three regions. So we have Istria, and that's northwest. It's a northwestern peninsula, um, and this one um, is known for three things. They're known for the wines, olive oil, and truffles. So Istria last year was declared as the number one region in the world for producing olive oil. And for the first time, it was not Tuscany after a million years. They produce two varieties of wine. That one is called Teran, that's a red, and they also make a great Malvasia. Uh, and then the truffles. Uh, in Istria, they're both the black and the white truffle. So when one goes to Istria, they're going to eat a lot of truffles. Uh, I was just there a few weeks ago, and truffles were in everything, including ice cream. So truffle ice cream, I didn't think it was going to be good, but it was amazing. Then uh, there is the continental part of Croatia, uh, which many actually don't consider as a place where wine would be that great, but they're wrong. <laughs> there are lots of great varieties up there. This area is mainly uh, covered with a uh, 
a plain. So uh, lots of grapes are cultivated here and they're, they're actually quite successful. Krauthacker is one winemaker that's been awarded many, many awards uh, at different international wine competitions. And here you also get a lot more, um, a lot heavier cuisine. Uh, you get a lot of stews, you get a lot of uh, dried meats, smoked meats, because this region is uh, much colder. So Istria is on the water, Dalmatia is on the water, but continental Croatia gets to have the central European climate. And then there is Dalmatia. And in Dalmatia, we again have Plavac Mali, which is the Zinfandel's baby, let's say. Um, and this uh, grows all over Dalmatia. And then we have a few white wines that are also excellent, very crisp. Um, wines from this area are quite strong, I guess, because it's the south and lots of sunshine. So uh, this helps uh, the alcohol percentage. Here, what people get to eat the most is uh, grilled fish, grilled fresh fish. Um, and uh, my favorite, but this is only made in um, for holidays, uh, it's called pastizada. So this is a, a sort of a beef stew, um, but it takes a couple of days to prepare it because one has to marinate the meat first, then bake it, and then cook it in a plum sauce, and it's delicious. Mm. And it goes really well with a glass of plavac mali. That sounds amazing. Uh, yum. Well, not everyone is as into wine as I am. Um, so what are some of the other experiences that you would say really stand out in Croatia? Well, what I love about Croatia is the variety it gives me, despite the fact that it's very small. Uh, so I usually say here in the U.S. that uh, Croatia has the area surface of West Virginia, which they consider one of the smaller states. And when you go from north to south, if you are, for example, into adventure, then uh, there are a couple of really amazing rafting, whitewater rafting spots. But uh, one really particular activity is ziplining through the canyon of Cetina River. So I'm actually not... Um, not that much of a fan of really these dangerous sports, as I call them. Uh, but the view from from the zip line that takes a couple of hours to do. So they're basically going all over the canyon. Um, it's quite spectacular. Uh, so it's not the usual zip line that you do through a forest and you see a little bit of scenery. Here you're actually, you feel like you're on top of the world. Then in the south of Croatia, there is also, this is a food-related experience, um, but there is an oyster farm where um, whoever, you know, is willing to, to, to go, they are taken on a little boat to a private island, and then they get to taste the oysters that were just taken out of the sea. And the reason this oyster is so special is because... Um, this bay is where you can find uh, the so-called European oyster uh, in its original form. So everywhere else, uh, something happened in the 70s, some sort of a disease, and they started importing the Japanese one, and that one caught on. Here you can actually taste the original oyster. And uh, besides that, there's also... Um, 
this one is a more generic one, but I'm a strong believer in exploring the islands. So whoever has uh, an opportunity to do sailing or get a boat for a day or any sort of shared sailings for a day, whatever it is, but that gets them out on the water and exploring Croatian islands, it's going to be one of the most unforgettable days that they're ever going to have. And if they actually have a chance to go to Vis and see the Blue Cave, then that's just the tip of the iceberg. And um, whoever I take to the Blue Cave is just amazed by it. Tell us about the Blue Cave. Uh, so the Blue Cave, there are uh, two from what I understand. One is in Capri and the other one is in the island of Vis. Uh, I don't know which one is more beautiful. I think it's a matter of a personal choice. Um, but it's in there, you can't go in with your own boat. You have to um, go in with the boat of, of the foundation that, that takes care of the cave. Uh, no motors are allowed inside. Um, and first to get in, everyone has to duck down because the entrance into the cave is really small. Also, if there is a tide, if it's a high tide, the cave is closed because nobody can get in. But once you do get in, the colors, the colors are just this spectacular blue. And it's kind of like a darker royal blue. Uh, and it comes from this little opening in the cave that w- when the sun goes through it, it creates this explosion of, of blue color. And since the sand is on the bottom, that's why this specific color of blue is very striking. That's beautiful. Yeah, you weren't wrong when you talked about that crystal clear water in the Adriatic. And I, I'm just imagining what those colors might be, like looking down into a glacier or something like that. Oh, the water. I, there is also, I mean, our theory in Croatia is that um, Adriatic is one of the saltiest uh, seas in the world. Definitely. I mean, it's not as salty as the Dead Sea, but that's why you can much... Um, I mean, when you go into the Dead Sea, you just float. You can't really swim. It's difficult. In the Adriatic, you can swim, but still this high salt percentage, we say that it has healing powers. And that's why when you look at it, when the sun is really strong, uh, it sparkles. It sparkles like a thousand diamonds. That's how it looks like. Perfect. Yeah, you definitely want to have your sunglasses on while looking at it. At least. <laughs> Perfect. Well, you know, I'm I'm amazed we've spoken for uh, ten minutes now, all about Croatia, and we haven't mentioned uh, any of the the cities that really capture people's attention, and that you know, I think people outside of uh, Europe are beginning to become a little bit more familiar with. I know that Dubrovnik's been huge for the last five years or so because of its connection with Game of Thrones. Oh, yes. Uh, I think this winter now, uh, they're also starting to film a movie with Leonardo DiCaprio. So I'm assuming it's going to be another big hit. Uh, I think it's called Robin Hood or something like that. And then they did a small, small part of the Star Wars also in Dubrovnik. So the movie industry is definitely developing and it's helping. It's helping put uh, Croatia on the map. Game of Thrones filmed in Dubrovnik and they've also filmed in Split and in a town up a little bit northern from Split called Šibenik. 
Mm. And that split was probably I'm gonna I'm gonna generalize. I think it was one of my favorite cities in the Balkans for how it how it looked and how uh yeah, just how I fit into it. It was a fantastically fun city to spend a few days in. I'm really looking forward to going back again. And then I found out today that that's where you grew up. <laughs> uh, yes. Well, the Split is the second largest city in Croatia. Uh, and I think that's part of the reason people like it so much. Now, if I think of Split five or six years ago, it was a strictly transit city. So uh, only locals loved it that much. Everyone else was kind of just using it as a hub to get to the islands or get wherever else they were going to in Croatia or the rest of South, South uh, Eastern Europe. Uh, however, in the last five years, it's been like a renaissance there. And we have... Um, so many new restaurants that have opened up, so many cute new little hotels, shops. And um, the key in all of this is that being the second largest city, um, they don't need to rely only on visitors coming in. Um, these places also stay open year-round because the locals use them. And I think for people coming into town, it's also very interesting to observe the local life because there is almost 200,000 people living in Split. This local life is always really um, eminent every day. You know, if you walk down the streets, you're going to see locals drinking their coffee, chatting on the street, doing their grocery shopping or whatever it is. It's cool. You mentioned kind of uh, seasonality here, so it's a good time to bring it up. When's the, well, when's the high season for Croatia? Well, the high, the peak of the season is July and August. Uh, now, quite high season is also from, let's say, half of May uh, until the end of June and then um, September until mid-October. But I was actually there a few days ago and it was still quite busy. <laughs> so it's not, I mean, it's not like in July and August, but uh, it's not dead as it used to be a few years ago. So in, in your opinion, balancing, you know, weather with attractions, with throughput of people, what do you think is the best time to go? Well, it depends. If one is looking to go for the beach vacation, mostly and primarily, then definitely June, July, August, those are the best months. If one is looking to explore, um, especially if they're looking to do any sort of an active vacation, so biking, hiking, whatever it is, I would say stick to anything between October until May. These are the nicest months because it's much cooler. So if you're on a bike, you're not dying because it's a billion degrees outside. But May and, and May and September are still good months to do this sort of thing. And then, of course, whoever is looking for a strictly cultural vacation, uh, so just doing historical sightseeing, year-round is good. Uh, I would say avoid July and August because also walking around and sightseeing is not comfortable in 30 plus degree heat. Um, so, you know, just kind of the weather, the weather and the interest dictate when they would choose to go. Yeah, definitely. I mean, a lot of those 
things where you're yeah going to see ruins and things like that. A lot of them are, are Roman ruins outside, you know, the heat reflecting off the marble and gravel around you. And it, yeah, it gets pretty hot pretty quick. Exactly. And then you can go for a dip in the Adriatic, which is not a bad thing either. Uh-huh, but some people don't like to swim, which I've learned, so <laughs> they won't be too happy. <laughs> Smooth. Well, I think we'd be, uh, it would be naughty of us not to mention the huge impact that cruise ships have on the coastal towns. We get these influxes of over a thousand people coming in for just two or three hours. Uh, can you talk a little bit about how the cruise industry has been changing Croatia and how that's kind of been rebalanced again? Well, it's a double-edged sword. I think that's how you say it. On one end, many years ago when Croatia was not that well-known, the cruise ships helped because by stopping in Dubrovnik or by stopping in Split, they would bring in this thousand or two thousand people that would get a taste of it, like it, and then decide to come back for it, you know, on an actual land vacation. I've had many clients that have done this. So in a way, we are grateful for the to the cruise industry uh, for helping us bring in that many people. And then it certainly helped in bringing many back uh, to actually explore Croatia off of a cruise ship. Um, but then on the other end, it got a little bit out of hand in certain places. So uh, certain days are a little bit of a mess, especially in smaller towns. Uh, it's funny because um, when I listen to Croatian news or watch them on TV, when I'm in Croatia, it will sometimes say, oh, the mayor has asked that unless you really have some business to do in in the city center, please don't come until, and then they'll say like 1 p.m. or 2 p.m. I know myself and all uh, other colleagues in the travel industry that do Croatia, uh, we try to get our clients uh, the best of it. So, for example, in Dubrovnik, we keep them outside of the old town. If it's a busy morning, we're going to do their tour in the afternoon, and they're going to do something else in the morning outside of the city. Um, So, you know, we battle it the best way we know it. Definitely. Yeah, I found that with Dubrovnik, I had such high expectations. And then I got there, and uh, there wasn't a cruise ship in then. It just felt very quiet and very dead because so many people have moved out to the suburbs due to the the rising prices, due to the kind of high impact tourism. And also because the lifestyle isn't that nice anymore when, uh, you know, the streets go from clogged to to empty in the matter of an hour. Exactly. Well, that's what, I mean, that is definitely one of the reasons people like split nowadays. It's because they can still see the locals um, and they feel this, you know, because it's really important that when you come to a new place, you see how the people there live. Um, one thing I personally dislike, no matter how beautiful a place, uh, if I don't feel like I'm in Italy, in France or wherever, because everyone around me is speaking not French, they're talking to me in English, you know, then it takes away from the experience. Uh, it's not the same. So it's like, uh, I said it once, it's like going to Disneyland for adults, you know, they built this nice city and then we all came 
and left, but you didn't take anything with you because it's the people and the relationships that you forge with uh, either a person at the market or a person that you meet while you're drinking coffee or, you know, but it's the locals that make a difference. Absolutely. Well, can you, I mean, we're not going to uh, learn how to have a, a conversation today, but can you give us a, a couple of phrases that uh, that might come in handy when uh, having that brief chat with someone at the market or uh, ordering a coffee? Yes, of course. Well, Croatian is not a very easy language, so I will start with that. And pronunciation is a bit tricky, but we don't judge. So however someone pronounces it, as long as they try, it's very nice of them. So first, let's uh, you would come in and you would say hello, right? So that would be dobar dan. Dobar dan. Yes, yes. exactly. And then you, you would say ja bih. Ja bih. Jedno. Jedno. Kavu. That means I would like a coffee. Yes. Super important. That is very important, especially in Croatia. And then uh, you would say, um, please, that please is molim. Molim. Yes. You actually have great pronunciation, I have to say. Oh, thanks. I I can parrot almost (laughs) anything. It's putting it together in the the spot that's tricky. (laughs) Two important words in every language are yes and no. Uh, so in this, you see our closeness to Russian. Yes is da. Da. And no is ne. Ne. Almost, almost <laughs> the Russian yet. Exactly. Yeah. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> Smooth. Now, I think that you can always communicate well enough when you need to, uh, you know, find something to eat, find something to drink. There's always a way through. But there's one question that can be a little bit more urgent and a little bit more embarrassing to act out, which is, where is the bathroom? I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I will say that in Croatia, uh, people speak really good English, but in order to make someone show you where the bathroom is, even though you didn't have coffee there, it will help if you say it in Croatian. And it goes, Gdje? Gdje? Yeah. Yeah. Zahot. Zahot. Yes. Perfect. Because, yeah, there's there's always that, that one time where uh, you need to communicate urgently and the, the actions just aren't going to do it. <laughs> I know. Well, now you know how to say it. Perfect. Well, as we uh, look to wrap up, is there one kind of favorite story or favorite memory about your own time in Croatia that you'd like to share with us? Well, since I'm a big sea person, uh, all of my favorite memories include some sort of cruising and then my family, of course. So uh, when I was younger, we always used to cruise around Croatian islands, Um, me, mom, dad, my brother, and then whoever from the family members would like to join us. And those are some of my happiest memories uh, in Croatia. Nowadays we cruise, but I mostly cruise with my friends. So it's different. Beautiful. Oh, Maya, if people would like to, uh, I don't know, ask any further questions or, or connect with you, is there a place online that they can reach out to you? 
Yes, uh, I'm always available by email. And then my email is actually Maya, but it's spelled the Croatian way. So it's M-A-J-A at selectitaly.com. Beautiful. Well, Maya, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It was a real pleasure to, to speak with you and discover so much more about the country, the countryside, the coast, and the cities. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much, Maya, for coming on the show. It was great to hear some of those stories, badly pronounce some of those words, <laughs> and just to relive our memories of Croatia. So cool. I can't wait to get back there. Maybe next year. Maybe next year. We already have a European summer planned, so that's going to be awesome. For us, it's crazy. We are kind of 80% planned for the next 12 months, which we haven't done, I don't know, since you, well, you went and did your master's. That planned is 10 months in advance. But before that, maybe 10 years or longer, <laughs> have, we, have we known what we're going to be doing more or less? In a well, year's time. We quite, often have a, we quite often have a plan, but it's whether we stick to that plan or not that is up in the air. Well, that might be true this time around as well. But we're looking at hanging around uh, New Zealand, Australia until end of April. Couple of months free in the middle, maybe looking at East Asia, maybe looking at Europe, into the UK for the summer, and then probably popping around Spain and Portugal a bit before it gets cold. And then we'll run away, <laughs> run away. Yeah. Uh, I've been looking at everyone who's been at uh, World Travel Market over the last week, massive big travel trade show in London each year, and everyone looks like they had an absolute blast again. So we'll, we'll make that the last point in Europe because by mid-November it's getting a bit cold for me. And yeah, then we'll be ready to, to head south again. Well, I think that's pretty much us for this week. So until next time, travel well.